Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to Murder Mile, a true crime podcast, an audio-guided walk featuring many of London's untold, unsolved and long-forgotten murders, all set within and beyond the West End. Today's episode is about Peter Fasoli, a lonely man living alone who went looking for love online. But having met a young man on a dating app, the stranger he let into his home wouldn't lead to love, but death. Murder Mile is researched using authentic sources. It contains moments of satire, shock and grisly details and as a dramatization of the real events. It may also feature loud and realistic sounds, so that, no matter where you listen to this podcast, you'll feel like you're actually there. My name is Michael, I am your tour guide, and this is Murder Mile. Episode 127, The Badoo Killer, Part 1. Today, I'm standing on Rubens Road in North Holt, UB5, four miles north of the discovery of Alice Gross, five miles west of the child rapist known as the Beast, four miles southwest of the bungled drugs trial at Northwick Park Hospital, and three miles west of the picturesque sites of Horsenden Hill, a scene forever stained by the unsolved murder of schoolgirl Hannah de Turville, coming soon to Murder Mile. Situated off the busy White Hart roundabout, Rubens Road is an odd little L-shaped street at the back of Lime Tree Park. Like many West London estates, whereas once this was a field for as far as the eye could see, it has since been spoilt by the thoughtless erections of unimaginative builders. Comprising of terraces, a few trees, several box-like flats, and a few odd lumps of rock, which litter the land for no reason whatsoever. As a stranger to this street, I can't say that I felt welcome. As the second I cycled in, 
Lights flipped on. Curtains twitched. Eyes peeped out. And a few doors down, a neighbour in a Hulk onesie watched, but did flip all. Except to provide this running commentary to his wife. Who's he? I don't know. Why's he here? I don't know. What's he doing? I don't know. It looks like a fat bald man in an I Heart Eva Green t-shirt dragging six tons of Mr Kipling's cakes and pretending he's not filming a murder location. But that's the strange thing about any residential street. We're suspicious of any outsiders who dare to walk near our homes. But it's the things which occur behind the twitching curtains which are often more sinister. We all have secrets and sadness. Made worse as we live in an increasingly insular world where rather than opening our doors, our ears and our hearts to a real person in real life, we open an app in the hope of finding a cheap deal, a pointless fight, a fake friendship and maybe even a date. A two Rubens Road now sits a new build. Demolished in 2015, Originally, it was a two-roomed bungalow owned by Peter Fasoli, an IT technician who sought to cure his loneliness by finding love on the dating app Badoo. Only what Peter forgot was that behind every online avatar lurks a stranger. As it was here, on Sunday the 6th of January 2013, that Peter opened his door to a handsome young man he had only met online. And although they appeared well-matched, his date was pure evil. Peter John Fasoli was a 58-year-old IT technician of Italian origin. Being a little shy, he kept to himself. He was unmarried. His closest family lived miles away in Yorkshire and living in a small bungalow at Two Rubens Road. Although he was a resident for several years, few of his neighbours knew him by name. His home mirrored his life as being a tiny two-roomed home, one floor high and barely 25 feet wide. It was small, neat, and some might say, adorable. Outside a window, as wide as the house itself, lay a thin strip of neatly mown lawn with a few potted plants, a bird feeder, and to the right, a little stone path leading to a white little door. As a little man who was rightfully conscious of his security, three cameras monitored this door as once inside, a whole side of his home was impressively crammed full of IT tech, whether webcams, hard drives, monitors and digitizers. But not only was this his office, where long days were spent in a recliner chair, it was also his entertainment hub and his connection to a social life of sorts. It was a simple home of a single man, with shelves full of technical manuals, cabinets of toiletries, 
and files full of papers. In front of a bank of screens sat a two-seat brown sofa, with a budgie in a cage to keep him company, and behind lay a double mattress with a blue duvet squeezed into a box room barely big enough for the bed. For Peter, being little, shy and chubby, socialising was difficult. As outside IT, he didn't have any hobbies. He found it hard to meet new friends and having a heart condition. Although an oxygen cylinder by his bed would relieve bouts of breathlessness, it limited his activities and made him more insular. That said, he had no problem socialising in cyberspace. Like many millions, the anonymity of hiding behind a cheeky pen name, a cherry-picked profile and a carefully chosen photo, which made him look a little less like a little round man, with brown glasses, a receding hairline and a thin greying moustache. It let him hide his inadequacies, accentuate his attributes, casually chat and log out when he got bored. In December 2012, using the dating app Badoo, Peter met a potential date who went by the alias of Gabriel. He was tall, young, handsome and dark-haired, with a penchant for older, shorter Italian men on the quieter side. And in a sexual partner, he sought a subordinate male who was into S&M, bondage and role-playing. As Gabriel had a fantasy about being an MI5 agent and interrogating his suspect. Gabriel's real name was Jason Marshall. As a man who lived his real life in the realms of the unreal, many details are hard to verify. Some may be fact, some may be false, and some may be pure fantasy. But given his difficult upbringing, it's easy to understand why he chose to escape inside his own mind. Jason Peter Marshall was born on the 11th of August 1988 in Greenwich, South London, to a young couple with a cruel addiction to heroin. Aged just 10, with both parents jailed, he was sent to a children's home in Southend, bounced between foster homes. And seeing this as right, social services returned him to his mother once her sentence was served. By 2000, 12-year-old Jason said he could hear voices and see visions, sometimes by angels, other times by aliens, and always believing that he was the incarnation of the angel Gabriel. Entering his teenage years, Jason was diagnosed with borderline Asperger syndrome, a condition on the autism spectrum. On the outside, Jason looked more like a fresh-faced boy who was slim, calm and quiet, with chestnut eyes, brown cropped hair and flawless skin. But on the inside, his mind was in utter turmoil. Jason hated himself. 
but in others, he could see the respect that a uniform had given them. How much of this is true is uncertain, but he said he once posed as an air cadet to steal charity collections. He dressed as a ticket inspector to issue fake fines on the London Underground. He allegedly scammed his way into Southwark and Kentish Town police stations to steal their radios, and that he caught criminals using a homemade Warren card, pepper sprayed his assailants, and later claimed that he had been arrested several times for impersonating officers and officials. In 2008, age 20, sectioned under the Mental Health Act following a suicide attempt, he was sent to the John Howard Center, a medium-secure psychiatric unit in Homerton, East London, and monitored by the DSPD, the Dangerous and Severe Personality Disorder Service. In 2010, he absconded whilst being transferred to a specialist hostel, and having been returned to prison, he fell off the scheme's radar. Released into society and discharged by psychiatrists, Jason was given a bed in an East Ham hostel and worked as a street cleaner at the London Olympics. But losing his job, he plunged into a spiral of depression and heavy drinking, sinking eight cans of Stella and half a bottle of Jack Daniels a day, which mixed with his medication resulted in memory loss. According to Jason, from that first day, sometime in November 2012, where he blacked out in an unnamed Scottish forest, to the last day in February 2013, when he awoke in an Italian psychiatric hospital, drugged and handcuffed to a bed with an armed guard at his side, he said he had no memory of those three months. Dates, which coincidentally or not, including meeting and murdering Peter Fasali. On the evening of Sunday the 6th of January 2013, Jason caught the Central Line train from Stratford to North Holt. And after a short walk to a little bungalow at Two Rubens Road, at 7pm precisely, Peter Fasali welcomed a stranger. It began as any interaction between two socially awkward people would. Hi, I'm Gabriel. Uh, well, Jason really. Hello. Hello, I'm Peter. Nice to meet you. I- in person. Ah, uh, yeah, in person. Finally. Please, come in. Shall I take my shoes off? No, no, that's fine. Followed by a few casual pleasantries about his journey, the flat, the weather, and Peter's impressive bank of computers. For Peter, he seemed very at ease with his new friend, who beamed a nice smile, spoke in polite tones, and having removed his woolly hat and rucksack as the room was toasty warm, had perched himself on the small brown sofa. To see their body language, you would assume they had either met before or knew each other well. 
having trimmed his little grey moustache and dressed in a black t-shirt and trousers. As they chatted, Peter sat in his recliner chair and finished a bowl of cereal for his dinner. To set a more romantic mood, a soft nightlight illuminated from beside the freshly ironed bedsheets. By the sofa, his little budgie gently twittered its merry little song, and out of two large speakers smoothly oozed the sounds of classic FM. With Charlotte Hawkins' classics at seven, Sir Trevor MacDonald's headliners till ten, and taking them up to and beyond the midnight hour, was smooth classics with Miley in class. Standing briefly, Jason removed his black jacket to reveal the uniform of an MI5 agent. It wasn't real, obviously, as MI5 agents don't wear uniforms, otherwise they wouldn't be secret. To say it looked homemade would be an understatement. His woolly black hat had been rolled up like he was secretly on a covert operation. Around his neck lay a black lanyard with a fake ID which read Jason Marshall, British Secret Intelligence. Around his hips he wore a utility belt filled with everything a secret agent would ever need like a white pair of latex gloves, a set of plastic handcuffs, a toy gun in a holster, a pretend can of pepper spray and an MI5 radio. Cunningly disguised as a Nokia mobile. And to aid the act, he even connected one earpiece to his phone, like it was a real comlink to a walkie-talkie. Peter could see that he hadn't tried all that hard with his uniform. As being unable to find a black t-shirt, Jason had opted for a blue one. So when he removed his jacket, instead of his top reading something dangerous, like MI5 agent, instead, it read pussy. For Peter, he seemed charmed by its childishness, and with the role-playing being part of the foreplay, soon enough they would be both naked, so who cared? At a little after 7.30pm, with the chit-chat and polite pleasantries done, Jason Marshall, MI5 agent, informed Mr. Peter John Fasoli of 2 Rubens Road, Northolt, that he was under arrest for being a spy, having hacked into a government laptop and helped a terrorist. Being rightfully terrified, as this was a very serious offence for which he deserved to be punished. Peter slowly got out of his recliner chair, smiled at the secret agent, who pointed to the double bed where this very thorough interrogation was due to take place. And having finished his dinner, Peter popped his bowl into the sink of the kitchenette. As spies hate it when leftover cereal is left to congeal. They both smiled, they both nodded, they both seemed to be enjoying themselves. And if you were to see the expression on Peter's face, as I have, 
you would know that the act was consensual. Only Peter's definition of consensual sex was very different to Jason's. Towering almost a foot taller, Jason ordered Peter to strip all of it. Eagerly, the little man did, pulling off his black t-shirt, black trousers and white underpants, but folding them in a neat pile for fear of leaving creases. Get on the bed, Jason barked, in a voice too quiet to make his prisoner quake. But Peter did. Face down. Fear was part of the thrill, as lying there helpless, the unknown was exciting. From the rucksack, Peter watched as the stranger pulled out a roll of adhesive tape. I'm going to tie you up. As the man he had only just met, but trusted implicitly, tightly bound his wrists and ankles, with his limbs hogtied over his bare buttocks and a strip of tape to muffle his mouth. And as his heart pounded, he grew excited and aroused. And with the lights down, the little man silenced, and the eager strings of classical music blaring out of two speakers. No one on Reuben's road knew what was going on behind the curtains of number two. Lying face down on the pillows, Peter saw his gloved assailant fumble the neat pile of clothes he had left by his bed and retrieve his black leather wallet. I want your pin number, his captor demanded. Unsure if this was part of the act or a joke, Jason pulled an eight-inch hunting knife and pressing the cold steel blade against Peter's trembling cheek. Again he demanded, Pin number. For Peter, the fun had stopped. But the pain was far from over. Unwilling to give in to the robber's demands, the torture of Peter Fasali began. Delusional to the very last, Jason threatened to slice off the tip of his tongue and to taser the hogtied hostage with 50,000 volts. Only just like his pistol, the stun gun was fake. Wrapped up in his fictional world of spies and interrogation, several times a syringe was stabbed into Peter's arm as a truth serum flooded his blood. Only a tox screen would later confirm it was haliperidol, an antipsychotic drug used to treat schizophrenia, which would have no effect on Peter. I want the pin. All the while, his screams muffled by tape and classical, as his budgie panicked in its cage. It may seem silly, even delusional, but for every torture method that failed, one would work. Sparking up a cigarette, Jason inhaled deep as the tip grew red hot. A tiny ball of anger that raged and smoked to a dangerously searing 900 degrees Celsius. And as Jason, his torturer, 
loomed ever nearer. This distant dot of hell hove closer, until stubbing it deep, the fiery little poker singed his pale skin. The torture began just before eight, and it didn't stop until the night past eleven. Exhausted and breathless, with his weak heart beating chaotically, it was only after his sweat-soaked face had been repeatedly smothered and asphyxiated with a pillow that Peter finally broke. And with the pin memorized, Jason popped out to the shops, leaving Peter alone. Naked, muffled, and bound, trapped inside the walls of his own prison, Peter couldn't scream out for help, reach for his phone, bang on a wall, or trip any of the three alarms he had for fire, smoke, or theft. And as his breathing became more laboured, he couldn't reach the life-giving air of his oxygen cylinder. Being a Sunday night in Northholt, not much was open. So with the nearest Tesco's shut, Jason went to the Shell garage on Ricelip Road, withdrew £780 from Peter's bank account, and made a few unusual purchases. Just after midnight, Jason returned to the little bungalow at Two Rubens Road. He was unseen and unheard. Inside, Peter was still bedbound. The budgie was squawking a racket. And on the radio, Classic FM was playing the Birmingham Repertory Theatre production of Raymond Briggs's Christmas classic, The Snowman. Seeing Jason's recent purchase, Peter pleaded for his life. His muffled cries of no, no, please, piercing through the thick tape across his mouth. As out of the rucksack, Jason pulled a roll of cling film, yanking out a long length of this thin transparent film used to seal leftover foods. In a swift motion, Jason repeatedly wrapped it round Peter's head. The remarkably strong film sticking to his sweaty skin as it formed a seal over his hair, his face, and the last hole he could breathe through, his nose. Fighting every last breath, although hogtied, Peter fought to free himself, rocking his body back and forth, and as his would-be killer wrestled to cover his oxygen-starved head in a carrier bag. The two men rolled off the double bed and landed behind the little brown sofa with a hard thud. The only audible sound being the quickening crinkle of plastic and Peter's muffled cries of I can't breathe. Unfazed, having no compassion, for this little man who lay dying at his feet, Jason calmly stood. And as if he was the angel Gabriel himself, speaking down from high in the heavens, he administered the last rites in Latin. 
in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. I am the resurrection and the life. With a possible murder to cover up, and eager to make a burglary look more believable, Jason rifled through drawers, upended shelves, and ransacked cupboards. But oddly, he took nothing. Not a laptop, a webcam, or a handy gadget of this tech-savvy man. And keen to cause as much confusion to any investigation, he yanked out as many wires as he could see from the bank of computers. Abruptly, the music stopped. And as several flashing LEDs ceased, it was clear that Peter wasn't making a sound. Lighting up another cigarette, Jason smoked as calmly he gathered his belongings from the bungalow. His jacket, his hat and his rucksack. And at intermittent intervals, the sound of splashing liquid could be heard as Jason flung a flammable fluid over the bed, the walls and the sofa. But mostly over Peter. With the click of a lighter, as the flames slowly licked and the small room filled with a thick acrid cloud, a smoke alarm activated. Its piercing cries wailed through the walls and deep down the street. And knowing that, within a few seconds, several sets of bleary eyes would soon peep out from behind the twitching curtains of Rubens Road. At 12.41 a.m. precisely, Jason left the bungalow, never to return. Peter Fasali's death was tragic. A cold-blooded attack on a vulnerable man for a few hundred quid. But as clever as Jason Marshall thought he was, he would be caught by the simplest of mistakes. He believed he had murdered his only witness. But there was one other who saw and heard everything. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to Murder Mile. The final part of the Badoo Killer continues next week. As always, after the break, we have a non-compulsory part of the show for those who like details, ducks and delicious cakes. So switch off now if that isn't your bag. But before that, here's a promo for a true crime podcast which may very well be the chocky lumpy bits in your double chocky choco lumpy 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 lovely lovely lumpy thingy. Hello and welcome to Stolen From Me by Lindsay, a true crime weekly podcast and YouTube channel. I've covered such cases as Molly McLaren, Susan Capper, and Gemma Hater. Each week we take a look at each individual case and try to bring as much awareness to it as possible. You can find me on all your favourite podcast platforms and YouTube at Stolen From Me by Lindsay. 
Thank you and see you all soon. Goodbye. A big thank you to my new Patreon supporters, who are Anne Abadula, Vicky Lewis, Trina Madsen, Kelly R. Smith, and Draco2008. I hope you're all enjoying the secret exclusive goodies that you can only get on Patreon. Whoa! Plus a thank you to Darren DeRosa for your very kind donation via the Murder Mile eShop. That will without a doubt keep me very fat, but mostly either in shoes. Plus a thank you to all old, new and original listeners who continue to share this show with their friends. It's very much appreciated. Murder Mile was researched, written and performed by myself, with the main musical themes written and performed by Eric Stein and John Books of Cult With No Name. Thank you for listening and sleep well. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. How long was that? Uh, it wasn't terrible. It wasn't too terrible. Four. He says, well, he says it wasn't too terrible. That was actually a second attempt because the first one was just a mess. Couldn't get my mouth around simple words. Like thin strip. Thin strip of neatly mown... Yeah, I, c- I couldn't say the words thin or strip. I can say it now, thin strip. <sighs> anyway, hey everyone, it's extra mile time. Uh, uh, this is the non-compulsory bit, so if you're new to the episode, as I've just said, it's non-compulsory. You don't have to listen to this bit if you don't want to. The only reason this bit is here is because people seem to like it, which is why I keep doing it. If people hated it, I would stop doing it. But people seem to like it, so there we go. It's continuing. Uh, so what happens is uh, I make a cup of tea in a bit. I come back. I probably have a cake with me of sorts. We do a little update on things that have been going on in, in uh, my little boring life, which is not particularly exciting, but people seem to enjoy that. And then I do some details about the episode we've just listened to. Uh, 
If that sounds amazing and you're like, wow, oh, my life can't get any better. I need to find out what's happening with Coots and uh, uh, whether Michael's done his laundry and all exciting stuff. Oh, yeah, exciting. You stay for that. Oh, yeah. Tune in. Strap in, folks. It's going about to get rocking. Uh, if, if that sounds like dog shit, switch off now. Switch off now. Save yourself some time. Go and listen to something else. But if you are looking forward to it, uh, it's, we're we're ready to rock. So I'm going to get rid of this uh, my little pop shield here. Move that out of the way so you can hear me a little bit better now. I just have that in place because it stops all the noises of the people going past on the canal. Um, group of ladies going past a couple of seconds ago. One of them. One of them. Uh, I don't know whether it's the same lady who did it before, but she was talking about uh, her husband's piles. He's having a real problem with his piles at the moment. And she's uh, trying to work out what's the best diet for him. Beyond, he doesn't like prunes and things like that, but he enjoys uh, donuts, which seems to be the problem. Uh, we all know that, anyway. So, uh, yeah, that seemed to be a nice conversation. So I had to wait a couple of minutes before them for them to piss off. And I don't, I don't know whether she knows, but I've I've recorded part of it. I don't think I don't think we can all, all need to hear that. Anyway, let me put on my cup of tea. What am I having? Tea or coffee? Let's open some windows as well. Whoa, there we go, that's better. <coughs> um, I've already, I think I've, I've pre-done the, yeah. I think I've pre-measured, have I actually put extra water in there? Did I bother? Hang on, let me sort of, yeah, there's water in there. Tea or coffee, tea or coffee. Uh, I got me a, a Dow Egbert, pure medium roast. Exciting. Uh, so I've mixed it in with my, my Kenko and my Nescafe and another one that I put in there. So I'm still doing coffee roulette. I hope the rest of you are enjoying coffee roulette as well. It adds for a bit of excitement in, in your coffee. Sometimes you notice it, sometimes you don't. But sometimes some of the coffees I find are a bit strong. So if you mix them all up, you get something different. Uh, who knows, maybe one day I'll be sponsored by Kenko. They will do murder miles. Uh, the special murder mile uh, roulette roast. Who knows? Maybe one day. Maybe I'll be a millionaire. Wow! And I have my own, my own Kenko adverts. Wow! I doubt it though. Right. Um, cake update. Not a cake today. I do actually have some Belgian buns in there. Uh, I've eaten them. I did have some uh, nice carrot cakes. Uh, which are in there. They were kind of carrot cake muffins with a kind of... Uh, uh, not quite icing, not quite cream. The kind of a half halfway house between icing and cream in the centre. Uh, they were really nice. Unfortunately, I ate them. So what I'm going to have now is... Can you guess? Of course you can't guess because you're just hearing the wrapper. It's a crunchy. Yes, crunchy. Oh, yes. Oh, lovely. For, for those overseas who don't know what crunchies are, it's made by Cadbury's, proper Cadbury's, not the, the shit one that America bought out. And, oh, God, I made awful chocolates. I'm sorry. Hershey. Is it Hershey who took them over? Oh, I had a, I think I mentioned it before. I had a Hershey bar before. It tasted like someone had done a plop in my mouth. It's absolutely disgusting. Cadbury's make the best chocolate in the world. So this is... It's a honeycomb bar. It's basically just 99.999% honeycomb and it's covered in chocolate. It's great. What more do you want? It's perfect. So that is my treat. I will have a Belgian bun anyway. For what's going on? Oh, big boat going past. 
weird normally you have kind of uh you hear someone's music on there. it's normally shit music as well uh what else we've done cake update coot update not really a lot to say about coots there's not really much going on although we do have the little uh the, there's some uh black ducks up the road they're not kind of black and I've, I've posted pictures on instagram a while ago and they're not black they're kind of a very 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 dark green and they're fantastic uh i got teas up uh in there give it a stir well i posted a picture online ages ago and i've already posted what type of ducks they are as well so i'm not going to go into it there but uh, yeah they're really beautiful they're quite they're quite they're quite timid but they're very beautiful to look at oops spilling a bit of tea not very good uh and i think uh one of the boaters has set up a little back bit on his boat uh and it's got a little platform going up and uh in there is like a a little safe a safe bed for the ducks to go in and they can have some uh, fresh water and some uh, uh, duck food as well so that's all very nice and good they're just up the road it's bloody cold out at the moment bloody cold another boat going past what is going on i'm glad i got this all done i deliberately woke up a, a bit extra to beat all the boats but also the bloody ice cream van man is still going around. He's still round here and he gets here about ni- about 9 a.m. And he goes, come on, come and get an ice cream. And it's like, it's like, oh, it's freezing outside. And he's like, it's ice cream time, come get an ice cream. Obviously someone who just, who hasn't been able to work for a year. And he's like, oh God, I need to sell some bloody ice creams now. And it's like, he's hoping that people will go, oh God, remember, remember the excitement of going to visit a man in a van rather than going to Tesco's and buying cheaper versions. Yeah. Anyway, he'll be here very shortly. Uh, yeah, it's bloody cold out at the moment. We've had a week of uh, the second we kind of lockdown restrictions were happening because the UK is slightly trying to go back to normality now because the vaccines all been rolled out. I haven't had mine yet. I'm still waiting for mine because I'm young and beautiful. Uh, I think they're, they're giving it to all the old fogies first, all the old people, all the oldies. Like my brother and sister have had it. Yeah, the old people. Uh, I haven't had mine yet, and I, I haven't been notified when I'll get mine. But uh, that's that's why the tours haven't started yet. Is because I want to. I want to make sure I'm vaccinated for when I go on the tour, when I start doing the tours and meeting people. Not that I'm planning on giving people hugs and shit like that. I'm still going to keep a distance. But, you know, if I'm going to be out meeting people, I want to make sure I'm safe. Uh, especially in Soho where, do you know, sometimes there are people in Soho who aren't on the tours who feel they want to be part of the tour and they don't understand keeping a distance. And I'm just like, you know... Do you know, they'll come up to you and they'll be like an inch away from your face and they have to talk to you and like you try and say mate meter away and they're like, what's your problem i had a guy the other day who was like oh man oh, i'm not i'm not begging but i need some money to get back to catford it's like i don't think he'd realized that he'd used the same excuse on me last week and the week before and i was like mate i haven't carried money in months and he was about an inch away from my face i was like keep a meter away please oh well, what's the problem your problem with me it's like, oh for fuck's sake no it's do not do not understand what's going on uh anyway uh so yeah it's oh it's bloody cold out at the moment so yeah I've, I've it's been great i've had the the fire on which is weird it's april i normally have the fire off in uh february but it's back on again for a little bit because it was a bit cold so in my evening walks 
because uh, I do a big walk every evening and one at lunchtime I take a big bag with me I'm filling up with nice bits of firewood because it's been warm recently it's, it was wet then it was warm then it was wet then it was warm and all the bits of wood that's on the floor and it's dead it's all nicely dried out so it's it's burning perfectly on the fire it's all it's all nice and seasoned so that's all good uh let's have a quick slurp of me me coffee roulette oh delicious it's like a un of coffees um so that's all good um big thank you to everyone who did the very kind reviews i think i mentioned obviously i'm i'm about a week ahead of everyone else so when you when you're listening to last week's show i'm recording next week's show um so thank you to everyone who very kindly ran to my attention because i mentioned about the the very uh weird person who's out there not only leaving negative reviews but kind of emailing a lot of my suppliers and go he's full of shit uh so very kindly everyone jumped on all the different platforms and things like that and left really nice reviews which was fantastic which has really helped so we have stuck a mid-digit up to the haters there are uh, a small amount of haters, tosspots, dickheads out there who ruin it for everyone. But the great thing is, ninety nine point nine percent of the people out there are actually really nice. So, uh, so, so the lovely people are always going to win. Haters can go wipe my ass, literally. Well, actually, I wouldn't let them. Uh, what else is that going on? I finally got to fill in my census form, which was good. Uh, I've been wanting to do that. I love filling in the census form. I like because I, I use census forms a lot for, um, do you know, uh, uh, murder mile things like that. Do you know the genealogy stuff? So I think it's really important to get details right. Uh, but as a person of no fixed abode, it was a bloody nightmare, absolute nightmare. Na- National Office Statistics, their helpline was useless. There are uh, email the the ones people behind the emails were useless I, i'd email them and go uh hi my name is mike i live on a boat uh it's uh, i'm of no fixed abode i don't have a permanent address um therefore i need you to send me a a, a code and a link so i can fill in the online form and they go okay uh we need we need an address and i was like i don't have an address that's the point and they kept going back and forth and just being real dickheads about it and then I'd almost given up hope a week after the census was due. And then I, I thought I'll, I'll call them again because you couldn't get through on the phone line. And I finally found one lady who was out. I can't remember her name. She was absolutely great. And even though her computer was playing up and obviously she's working at home as well. And her cat was crawling all over her laptop. She was like, oh, God, the bloody cat. She was really nice. And, uh, you know, she, she got it all sorted for me. So it was great. I got to fill in my census form that day, which was great. I, I'm now official on that, even though. As I mentioned before, the genealogy stuff isn't all that accurate because when I look at my details, I seem to have five Spanish siblings, uh, which I asked my dad about and he said, uh, uh, don't know anything about that. Bye. Yeah. Uh, so uh, what else is going on? Um, oh, I tell you what, let me do a quiz and then we'll do. So I, I'm not going to do too much about this episode because uh, originally it was going to be a one parter. And then as I was writing it, uh because I, I what i always do is i always try and research too much uh because i think it's better to have a wealth of information in front of you and then i can cherry pick which is why a lot of stuff gets moved into extra mile but then the, when i got into the kind of the scene where jason comes into peter's house and there is the getting to know you and i could have done that in about two lines but there's just so so much beautiful little pieces of information that kind of shows 
what their relationship is like. Do you, know, you think Jason's going to turn up and be, oh, he's a killer, he's got a knife, oh, he wears a, a mask, oh, stab, 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 stab. But it's not. It's kind of the interaction between them is really interesting and they're both quite insular. So I, I felt that all these little details were really important. So uh, as I was getting through it, I thought... There's a lot of information in part two that I really don't want to gloss over as well. So, uh, a lot of information that just has been totally ignored by the press. So I thought, let's turn it into a two-parter. Because I thought part one is simple, but it, it, I want it to be really interesting and effective. And it's kind of, yeah, everything's all there. So uh, let's do a quick quiz and then we'll do some more in, info and shit. Uh, and shit. Right, but not shit, obviously. I mean, you can have a shit now if you want it's perfectly good. It's perfectly natural. I always used to do that at work. Like every time someone would go uh, heading off to the toilet, I go, "You going to the toilet?" And they go, "Yeah." I go, "Have a good poo." <laughs> and some people would laugh. Some people would find it really offensive. But if you think about it, I always always say to them, "Having a poo is the most natural thing you can do. It's your digestion. And if you're not able to do that, it kind of backs up your system, and you can get quite sick from it. So actually." Turning around to someone and saying having a good poo, have a good poo is like saying have a good meal. Do you know you not you wouldn't say to someone have a terrible meal. I hope you get botulism. You got to have a nice meal. Same as the other end of the deal, you want to say to them, you know, have a good poo. I hope I hope that everything comes out smoothly and that you're well and refreshed afterwards. This should become a murder mile thing. We should all, when you see someone leaving a room, go have a good poo. Anyway, uh, question number one. Here we go. Hope you're listening. Uh, question number one. Which two shops... Oh, uh, as always, let's uh, remember that I, I've yet to edit this episode, so that could mean that some of these don't end up in the episode. Because uh, I may edit it out, because obviously I, sometimes... I, I've, this bit I'm recording now, but I'm yet to edit the episode, so you know these may be taken out. I just said that. Maybe I should edit out that bit. Uh, so... Uh, but I could also balls it up by ruining the question shortly, but I'll try not to. Right, question number one. Let's go. Which two shops did Jason visit during the attack? One was open and one was closed. Question two. Which part of South London was Jason born? Not Jason born, but Jason born. Question three. What did it say on Jason's T-shirt? Question four. Which classic FM DJ and programme was playing during the murder? Let's hope you remember this bit because I mentioned it in the midsection but I didn't mention it at the end section. Question five. Uh, Jason said he drank how much alcohol per day? Oh, this is like half of what Eva does in the morning. Nightmare woman. Uh, question six. Which major event was Jason supposedly a street cleaner for? Question seven. What did Peter eat for dinner? On that previous question, I hope I said Jason and not Peter. Uh, question seven. What did Peter eat for dinner? Question eight. How much did Jason say he charged per hour for sex work? Question nine. 
Which psychiatric unit was Jason sent to? And question 10. Which three... Which three day-gate... Day-gating? Let's call them day-gating apps. <laughs> day-gating apps. Which three gay dating apps did Peter subscribe to? Right. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, let's just okay so uh oh i try not to do too much about this okay so uh, th- this was a real pig of an episode to do because in uh obviously there's no real uh, uh archive files for this so i had to use all, all press reports and you know a fire investigation kind of details that were released and things like that uh, a lot in the in the press but as always as mentioned a lot of the stuff that's in the press is dog shit utter dog shit so I, I had to spend a long time filtering out a lot of information to work out what was real what wasn't what is that which is why quite at the start i do say do you know some of these details are accurate false fantasy it's hard to tell so do you know you, you've got to kind of take a pinch of salt with a lot of this um one of the things that wasn't mentioned uh, uh in any of the reports was exactly where peter's house was uh and this was a real pig to find so uh i knew what i i I narrowed it down to the street and then uh i went on google maps and i looked at the street and there's uh there's like about five blocks of flats and then there's probably about 30 or 40 houses i thought okay so which one of those is it um and all i had was a crime scene photo a quite hazy one taken from inside the flat uh after it it had been uh, set on fire um uh and i could see a window and but outside a window couldn't see anything because the windows were a bit kind of fogged up and a bit crappy i could see that there was it was near some trees there was possibly a car and maybe a house in the background but i couldn't tell anything else so i thought well i want to find out what uh where this house was i want to know which exactly which one it was so what i did uh i realized that the upvc windows that he'd got uh were quite specific they were white and they were blocked into three sections and on the left and right were kind of side opening windows with little hatches at the top. And I thought, well, let's search every window on the street for those. And the annoying thing is that everyone on the street has white UPVC. So I had to go through every single house, looking at them all, all the flats everywhere. And I, was, I got to the end. I was like, OK, there's a big problem here that either someone has recently come in and changed the windows or the building doesn't exist anymore. And that was a real problem. I was like, where is it? Because no one had said where it was or what it was near. Um, And then I decided to use something. uh, So on Google Maps, if you go to Street View, and then there's a little section above that I I find quite handy, but especially with recent cases, uh, and it's it's a, a timeline. And you can have a look at Street View, the current one, or you could go back in time. And I think it goes back to earliest is like 2004, 2006. And it's done in blocks. So 2006, 10... I think 14, you know, it's, it's a bit jumpy, but so I did that. I went around the streets and I went uh, to every single house and I started toggling and toggling. It took bloody hours to go through. And then I realized at the end of a terrace, uh, there, there, there was a building that was a new build and I'd looked at it a couple of times. I thought that's brand new. I wonder if that's where it was. And then I toggled and then I real, realized there it is. You could see, you could see the original bungalow 
and then you go to the timeline forwards and then you can see that it's boarded up and it looks like it's been partly burnt out and it's all overgrown and then you go forwards in time and it just doesn't exist anymore so that was how i managed to find that building i've done i did that a couple of times on the um the alice gross episode as well but i just don't like not knowing details i like to know exactly which house it was otherwise what's the point what's the point in saying a murder happened in ealing it's like what bit of eating it's all different it's all you know you know uh kind of the place i am at the moment it's kind of you know, there's some council house areas but there's also some really really uh kind of posh gated areas as well so you know if you were to just say this neighborhood which neighborhood is it so it's imp- i think it's important to know exactly which road and sometimes there can be a real difference between houses on different roads as well so um what else have we got uh so uh peter john Fasali was 58 years old uh no details of him ever being married previously he doesn't seem to have had any children uh no one in the area seems to have known known him he kept very much kept himself he was quite tech savvy as mentioned uh although he got two relatives he got a sister and a nephew living in yorkshire which we'll know more about next week um Prior to living there, he lived on Askew Road in Shepherd's Bush. Um, the only hobby that I could really find that he was into was genealogy. He was building a family tree at the time, so there's a lot of information on the, on his uh, on his laptop, uh, which we will go into next week. Uh, as mentioned, it's not really expressed. It, it, it's said that he had heart problems. Uh, it's uh, hard to dig into exactly what his heart problems were, but... Um, he had been prescribed an oxygen cylinder which was by the side of his bed which he would use for breathlessness hence he didn't do a lot of uh, kind of outdoor activities uh, peter john marshall so uh he's 24 years old at the time of the murder uh we don't really know a lot about his early life there's a lot of details that kind of um were glossed over our uh, as mentioned, both parents in prison by the age of 10 end up in a a, a children's home. Uh, da, da, da. I mean, it's just like a, a pretty sad existence right from, right from the start. Uh, but this is the problem is that a lot of his information uh, seems to have been gleaned, a, a lot of it from the different court different court cases uh that would crop up and and a lot of it came from him so a a lot that made it into the press are things that you get kind of constantly all the way through you have to kind of work out is this real is this not real do you know uh he's he's kind of uh different diagnoses that he's got do you know there are things that can be proven there are things that can't be proven as well and there are things that he's exaggerated a lot so do you know um he was found guilty of a uh, a non-violent crime, but it wasn't stated what it was. So whether this was him, uh, you know, pretending to be a ticket inspector on the uh, tube network, it's kind of a weird one to say because it's, uh, you know, uh, he claimed he was a ticket inspector. He claimed that he uh, posed as a policeman. Uh, he, he he said that he, you know, he was arresting people. That he used uh, Joe pepper spray to uh, to stop assailants and, and things like that. But the problem is. When you look at his costume or his uniform that he's using when he's with uh, Peter Fasali, it's terrible. It's like, do you know, uh, I'll post some pictures online, but when you look at it, it's, do you know, jeans, T-shirt that says pussy, a, lan- a lanyard that just looks a bit pathetic that he's clearly done on his home computer. 
do you know he's got a mobile phone that's meant to be a radio he's a toy gun it's just like oh it's just if anyone were to come up to you on the tube and go oh i'm a t- ticket inspector you just go piss off a I, I, a in decades of living in london i've never seen a ticket inspector on the tube i don't even know if they even exist Secondly, like the policemen have very specific uniforms. It's, it's unlikely that a policeman would have a, a T-shirt that says pussy on it. I mean, I mean, sometimes they might wear a T-shirt underneath that says I love Guinness, obviously, but uh, only only certain policemen. Um, but yeah, no, it's weird. So yeah, he had a fake warrant card, which he'd mocked up on his computer. So uh, yeah, it's hard to, um, uh, and he said, you know, he managed to scam his way into Southwark and Kentish Town's police station to, to, to steal their radios. Really? Really? He managed to get into a police st- Really? Good luck to him. Uh, so there's a, there's a lot going on. Obviously, he said that he was a, a sex worker online. I mean, he may, he came out as gay as a teenager and he used dating apps to meet people but whether he was online charging himself out uh who knows who knows i mean a lot of this can't be proven uh yeah so in a brief period of time uh in prison for as mentioned a non-violent crime they didn't mention what it was so i I, i'm guessing it was either impersonating uh, an officer or or an official even though his uh his uh impersonation would have been shit you can still be charged for it the the, the police won't let you off just because it happens to look a bit shit they you know there's, there's there's not a hierarchy of oh well you know we, we we won't we won't send you to court because your your uniform looked absolute crap uh what else we got oh i'm trying not to give away things that are in que- the question see i'm being a good boy um uh i think that's it i don't want to give away too much because we've got a lot to do next week uh so i'll kind of cover it all then yeah yeah let's not do that so uh i'll answer the questions answer the questions uh okay so oh i'll have a quick slurp of me of my coffee oh yeah Oh, yeah. Ooh, that was a weird one. Right, uh, question one. Which two shops did Jason visit during the attack? One was open and one was closed. It was a uh, Tesco's, uh, that was on Church Road, and the Shell Garage on the Ricelip Road. Uh, I know both of them very well. Sometimes, sometimes more up. No, the canal's not too far away from that, so I sometimes, sometimes pop into that area. There's a, there's a little not too far away that's quite good. I was, I was moored up there during the, the, the first lockdown, so I wasn't too far away from that. So I, that was part of my walking route every, every day, and I didn't realise that there was obviously this murder was there. Uh, what else? Okay, question two: Which part of South London was Jason born in? That was Greenwich, or if you're from America, Greenwich. Um, question three, uh, what did it say on Jason's T-shirt? It said, pussy. Lovely. Uh, question four, which classic FM DJ and program was playing during the time of the murder? Oh, I got burpy then. 
Um, if you were to say the snowman, you would be wrong. That was the tune that was uh, playing around that time. Uh, it was the the program was smooth classics with Mylene Class. This is more research by me. It's like the little details that I love that I, I'm just like. It's it's I think it's important to know stuff. So I, when I knew that uh, Peter had popped on Classic FM, I went back through the archives uh, online and I, I found the schedules for that day. And then I, I worked out who was playing what. And even though they didn't list the songs, I managed to find out through another source exactly what piece they were playing at roughly around the time that Peter would have been murdered. And it was it was the Snowman. So uh, uh, by the Birmingham Repertory Theatre. So there we go. All useful. Question five. Uh, Jason said he drank how much alcohol per day? Uh, that was eight cans of Stella uh, and half a bottle of Jack Daniels. Yeah, whatever. Question six. Which major event was Jason supposedly a street cleaner for? That was the London 2012 Olympics. Question seven. What did Peter eat for his dinner? It was a bowl of cereal. Question eight. How much did Jason say he charged per hour for sex work? £400? Yeah, whatever. Question nine. Which psychiatric unit was Jason sent to? That was the John Howard Centre in Homerton. And question 10, which gay dating apps did Peter subscribe to? They were Grinder, Badoo and AdultWork.com. So even though there's similarities with this, this, uh, the Badoo killer actually happened about a year before Stephen Port, the Grinder killer. So uh, there's a couple of similarities in there. Uh, what else we got? What else we got? Okay, uh, just just to say, I've I've ordered some new keyrings. Oh, very exciting! Only because the 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 supplier that I used to have in Spain has either gone bust or they seem to have run out of stuff. Uh, so I've ordered some new keyrings, which were meant to have arrived this week, but the the delivery driver seems to be having a bit of a meltdown and doesn't seem to understand how to read an address, which everyone else seems to be able to read perfectly, but he seems to be going, "Well, there's no one in." It's like, no, there is someone in. No, there's someone in. Uh, so uh, that's happening. And I've also made some new mugs, which is exciting. Uh, uh, so uh, I've got in a, a new stash of the Murder Mile mugs, but I've just made uh, some Blackout Ripper mugs. So using the Blackout Ripper uh, logo that I've uh, uploaded online, I've got some Blackout Ripper mugs. They're great. They've got a kind of a red inside with a red handle and then... Uh, a, a drawing by my good friend, Mr. Mark Rushmere, a very talented artist. And it, it's, it's called, uh, and it, on the top it says, Forget Jack the Ripper, the real Ripper. And it's got Blackout Ripper, and it's very good. And on, on the back, uh, for people who are left handed, there's the Blackout Ripper, Ripper uh, sorry, the uh, Murder Mile logo. So you've got logo on both sides. So uh, I've only made 10. I might pop one of those into a competition or something. I'm not too sure. Another boat going past, whizzing by, uh, and the rest. I don't know. I might, I, I might sell them online. I might do them as a package deal. So buy one, get the, get another one, or something like that. I don't know. I haven't quite worked it out yet. Uh, so that's all very good. 
uh, I think that's it. I think we're done. I think we're done. I've got I've got a crunchy to eat. I've got a coffee to drink. I've got uh, a episode to finish editing or to, to start editing. Oh, which is going to take me through till Saturday. Oh, dear. but it was a nice one to write. I quite enjoyed writing this one. I started weirdly. I started on the Monday morning and I started writing and I did two pages, which is about right. As I, I can kind of do about two pages a day, and I rewrote that and that was all going well. And then halfway through the Tuesday, that's when I thought, oh shit, this this needs to be a two-parter because there's a lot to tell, and I don't want to. I don't want to. I hate it when I have to gloss over things too quickly. So um, it was Tuesday, and I went. Oh, this should be a two-parter, bollocks! And I, I thought to myself, oh, you know what? That that means I'm gonna have to rewrite what I've just written, and then this is gonna take an extra day to write, and then it'll be like, oh, then everything will go tits up. And I just thought, no, this deserves to be a two-part episode. And it, making it a simpler episode actually made it easier to write. So I'd finished by I'd finished writing it by Wednesday lunchtime, and I thought, great, gave me a chance to go into town uh mask on obviously uh and get all my get all my post which is great so for everyone who uh, uh needs anything sent into america uh, we we have to fill in a, a customs declaration form and it's a real pain in the ass when i'm I, I go to the post office and i've got all the mugs and all the badges and all the things like that and i've got to post them to all these different countries and then they go well you need to fill in a declaration form and they're really annoying so what i've done is i've ordered loads so I've got about 100 declaration forms. So I can sit here, fill out my declaration form, and then when I go to post office, they, they sigh, and they go, oh, you need to fill out a declaration form. And I go, I've already done it. Look. And they go, oh, well done. Thank you very much. Yeah, so that's all good. That's very I'm like a little post office. I've got a big pot of stamps, and I've got my declaration forms, and I've got my brown paper and my tape. Everything's all ready to go. So that's all good anyway i think that's done that's that's enough waffling for the day uh hope you enjoyed that uh i ha- I, I was going to put in a little oh, shall i put in a little clip or shall i not put in a little clip i don't know i was going to put in a little clip of deadly thoughts uh, obviously with uh patron i try and give you give people on patron different things to keep them entertained the different tiers so you get like interesting photos and you get some videos and you get ebooks and you get all badges and stickers and key rings and all exciting uh you get uh early access episodes but also you get walk with me as well which is a companion piece that i record after i do um after I've done the editing so I can give you more information about what I've kind of done and how it's edited and all the different things that you that you won't know listening to extra mile people seem to enjoy that but on on the $15 tier I've done a new thing which is called deadly thoughts and this is an interactive podcast where each week I'm making dinner for Eva obviously because she's hungover uh and uh I'm making dinner and we kind of go through ideas about about murder and things like that the idea is it's an interactive podcast so what you can do is every week message me in the comments section for deadly thoughts uh and then what you say becomes part of the show that's that's the whole point so instead of just listening to me waffle you feed into it and then it can kind of become a conversation we can, the idea is to make it big and exciting and people can kind of add their own stuff to it so it becomes something very different rather than just the usual podcast you listen to uh so uh i might put in a little bit here i might forget i'll probably forget by the time i do it but uh, I'll, I'll put in a little clip here uh it's a, if you like waffle this is the perfect 
uh, companion piece for you. And it comes out every single weekend. So there's lots of extra stuff. So if you, if you want to become a patron subscriber, please do. It's a great way to support the show. If not, thank you very much for kind of listening to Murder Mile and sharing it with your friends and writing reviews. These are all, these are all fantastic and it really keeps helps keep the podcast alive. Uh, anyway, that's me done. Uh, hope you all enjoyed that. That was all good fun. And I uh, hope you all stay safe. Uh, have a good week and uh, stay out of trouble. Unless, unless you like trouble, then stay in trouble. It's all good. Uh, Stay safe, be good, lots of love. Bye-bye. Um, I was just about to pull out an egg and it was covered in poo, which you'd expect, given the fact that it comes out of a chicken's... <whistles> anyway, do love eggs. Shouldn't love eggs, do love eggs. Uh, anyway, no, Eva does love a big old steak. Um, I think that's because she grew up uh, watching cartoons like the Flintstones and she's slightly obsessed with the idea she doesn't like if I say to her I'll get you a steak she doesn't want me to get her lots of steak she doesn't want me to get like a big fat steak she wants one of those Bronto steaks like in the Flintstones and she doesn't I do say to her I do say to her Eva you know that's not real it's a cartoon and she gives me one of those faces that basically says I don't give a shit I want a big old steak so uh, quite often what I do is I go I go to a butcher's and I say, look, oh, it's for Eva. And they go, yeah. And I go, do me a favor, get me a cow. And instead of slicing off a bit of the cow, but going widthways, can you just cut the cow lengthways? So basically what I do is I get, I end up with a bit of steak that is probably about three or four foot wide by maybe about, maybe about six or seven inches deep. And then Eva's happy with that. She looks at that and she goes, that will do me. Thank you very much. Uh, unfortunately she doesn't like it grilled I can't grill it on the boat it weighs too much as well so what she does uh, instead of me uh, setting up a little barbecue what she does is she says okay I want you to flame grill it I'm like right just get out of plate how am I meant to do that and she goes well get a flamethrower and that's what Eva likes get the big steak and I flamethrower it even though it ends up tasting of uh fuel at the end of it eva doesn't mind that because she covers it you know she's she's a bit of a heathen she covers it in like a big jalapeno sauce like the bit you know ghost peppers shit like that do you know what she's a bit weird she she i don't think she has any taste buds at all but she's happy to just kind of absorb it and just go Whoa! like but i have to flamethrower it but she insists that i flamethrower it whilst wearing a union jack bikini and whistling God Save the Queen. It's a weird thing that she likes. Don't try and put that image into your head. You'll never get it out of your head ever again. A fat, bald man wearing a Union Jack bikini, whistling God Save the Queen, whilst flamethrowing a stake that's about eight inches deep by about three foot wide. But, you know, that's Eva's dindins. That's what she likes. It makes her very happy. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.